Can you sing us into the intro? Absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe. Can you sing us into the intro? <laughs> you ready? You ready? All I want. Oh. Is I would just do it the I'm way you kidding. used to do it. Okay. <laughs> We do a podcast called Batter Ready Podcast, and we podcast whenever uh, it's, a, it's a daily podcast, except for the days that we don't podcast. That's exactly right. It's a I, daily podcast. I did it. On occasion. Um, on occasion. It's a daily podcast. And it's normally with Aaron McManus. Yes. And, and his dad. Erwin. <laughs> Erwin McManus, but today we have a special McManus. guest. I feel weird saying your name. Boss. <laughs> and today we have a special I'm guest. You guys welcome Mariah McManus. Goss. And uh, it, well, it was originally supposed to be Mariah and Jake Goss, her lovely husband, but uh, he's a rock star, so he's doing rock star things. Are you giving us a new album? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Un- undisclosed TBD. So uh, we're all Laney fans here. And, uh, and then you just got back from a creative, like, what is it, a retreat? Mm-hmm. Where you guys, mm-hmm. all, in the video, all you do is laugh and have fun. Yeah. Is that worship? Yes. Worship is a blast. Well, tonight's subject. Tonight's subject. I'm We're going to talk about... This is what happens. <laughs> oh, wait. I got it. I got it. I can do it. I can you do got it. it? Yeah. Tonight's subject... <laughs> Tonight... I can. Okay. Yeah. Tonight's subject is the, the process of creativity or the creative process. And we were, we were having a conversation and I thought... It, he, you actually brought this, this up this morning and, or yesterday and I said, no, absolutely not because I don't... I don't I, I've always struggled with this idea that I'm maybe not the most creative person in the world. And then Mariah was like, tonight's not going to be about us encouraging you about how creative you are. So, well, where, where, are we, where we left off is, I can feel her eyes burning. So uh, let me give you... A, still I'm haven't done. introduced it. So I'm going to give you a foundation for what we're going to talk about. Why are you moving closer to him? I can't. And I don't know how to sit on the stool, you guys. <laughs> They're very slick. Okay. If you've been at Mosaic for any amount of time, you know that have, we have a very distinct anthropology. Yes. We believe that every human being is creative, right. that every human being is an artist, that every human being is designed to design. So you're created by a creative God. So you were imagined to imagine, created to create, that every human being is both a work of art and an artist at work. And that's foundational for us. And I was asked on um, Monday night at Mosaic College, does everyone, uh, no, actually, they, they assumed that not everyone has spiritual gifts or not everyone has gifts. It was a great question. And, and it made me sad that someone would actually think they didn't have gifts. And, and I want you to know that you are front-loaded. You are packed with gifts and talents, with creativity, with imagination. You are, you are brimming with potential and capacity. But sometimes life causes an avalanche inside of your soul. And the most creative beautiful, artistic, inventive, imaginative you is trapped under the rubble of your pain, your failures, your fears, your insecurity, your doubt. And I think this is an important conversation. I've just asked everyone, uh, Aaron and Mariah, just to be really honest. And, uh, because for a long time, Aaron would say, I just don't agree with this. I, and a lot of it was for his own self-doubt. They didn't feel like he was a creative human being. And, um, and those of us who know him know he's extraordinarily creative. So I want us to talk about the creative process. And, and all of us are involved in a creative process in different ways. You guys just had a, um, a writing retreat. All right, how long did it last? 
We started Monday at like 4 p.m. And give a shout out real quick to who was there. It was Andy, Pastor Andy, Brooke, me, Carlos, LJ, Aaron, Rob, Colin. So it was MSC squared. It was like pretty epic. Yeah. All right. So you had two days mm-hmm. and um, you had to, you didn't, did you, have, did you have a goal of how many songs you would write over the process? We were hoping for 20. So you were, you had a ridiculous goal mm-hmm. of writing 20 songs yeah. over two days. Mm-hmm. You know, that's absurd, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, like I've been doing a series on how to not be stupid. That would be like, <laughs> that would be like a stupid goal, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, did you come back dejected and frustrated that you did not achieve your goal? We didn't. We wrote 30. All right. So you didn't write 32? No, just 30. Just 30. <laughs> That's amazing. That's enough. All right, so out of those 30, how many do you feel um, are going are gonna to be extraordinary? If you could just give it just an observation, quick observation. Um, I would say most of them, honestly. Oh, I and can't I, wait. And I, the last time we did this, we wrote 16, which for us was incredible. Um, just in like three days or whatever. In less time, we wrote less songs. Um, but we probably have four of those songs that we play now. And it was interesting because at the beginning of the, of the time, we just kind of talked about getting out of our normal language, getting out of our normal process, and like being bold and being, you know, totally out of our comfort zone. And it's amazing to see what, what songs we wrote because they're so much better than the songs we've ever written. And even the bad ones are so much better than the good ones that we have now. And it's, it's just so cool because we couldn't have done it without all of the people who were like, willing to step out and just say something different than they normally say. And so it's, it's actually really crazy how many good songs. Um, I don't know that there was a moment where we were like, okay, well, that's a bad one. I don't know how to tell you that. Um, but it was really just amazing to hear all of them. What was, like, the quote of the weekend? Was there, how, how do you tell someone, like, I'm not feeling this? Well, I didn't have to say it. What? You didn't have to say it. What do you, you were just all awesome. It was just all so good. Okay. That's or you just, like, get distracted by something. <laughs> You're just like, oh, cool. Okay, yeah. I'm hungry. Do you- right, so, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back and dive into that. But, Aaron, a lot of people don't know that um, when you came back from New York four years ago? It's, we're going to five. Five years or ago? I guess it's four and a half, yeah. yeah. And you stepped in and took over really all of our branding, all of our marketing, all of our storytelling. And... Um, Probably where you started was you kind of hated everything we did. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> talk to us a little bit about what you saw, what the process was. Because right now, I mean, I know I've talked to people in some of the most um, cutting-edge industries in the world, and they basically say they follow what we do and look at our Instagram and our, our social media to get ideas for their own organizations. I mean, I think when I got here, uh, well, I, I was working like two or three jobs in New York and then serving at church and then staying up to like two in the morning watching the live stream to try to like take notes like the month before I came back to to Mosaic in LA because I knew I really wanted to be back in LA and like God was calling me here and then when I got here and the only job or like internship that was open they're like can you can you take over the social media and I was like I hate Instagram Facebook and I just deleted everything and that's and true you came I, back you I, hated all social media I hated it I was done you now didn't want like, to do that oh, I, all I'm on now but uh, <laughs> I hate it I scroll 
Um, always. And no, but and I remember because it was one of the other guys had asked me, like, hey, we don't have anybody to do this. Can you just do this? And then you had a graphic designer who quit out on you. And I was so poor. I was like, yeah, I'll do anything. <laughs> like, and you're like, can you design? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and, and then started teaching myself via YouTube how to, like, put lines together. And, so in other words, and then, you lied to me and told me you were qualified for the job. <laughs> I, you didn't ask me. I lied to the other guy. <laughs> and, um, and then I quickly found uh, an amazing young woman named Tess. Who we've, we've now, who's, yeah, and who has now built like a wonderful creative team. And, and I was like, you know, I can figure out how to take photos. Let's just do it. I bought a camera and then we built the photo team and I got like one other person and then I offset it. And I always say if you're a good leadership is like ha- depending on how long you have to do the job you don't like to do. And not that you off like hand bad jobs but if you know you're not good at something can you actually find someone who's called to do that and replace that person because I think sometimes we get so stuck um, holding on to the little thing that we don't actually even really like and that God hasn't actually even called us to Um, but we think it's ours and so we have to keep it but I'm come from the world of like if you have it too long it'll it'll rot your soul and you got to throw it all away and keep giving it to more people so I found Tess, who actually could design and actually could do these, use these programs. And then we just started chipping away logos, signage. I remember, I think at one point, like we took all the logos off of everything. I would like offer to burn people's shirts if I saw them. And I, I was like, I came from the world of, of no old logos. And so if I saw one, I'd take a photo and I'd like have a panic. And, um, and we were always like trying to like push the, push the fold. And then we took our logo to like a little box. And I said, the rule is so that it's always supposed to be smaller than like your thumb on a photo and make everything tiny and, and minimalist. And, and I, don't, I don't know if it worked, but it, it, I think it, we got to a good place. And, and a lot of people don't know this, but um, we were walking down Hollywood Boulevard and Aaron said to me, Dad, you know, I, I want to just throw out this idea that Mosaic is such a big brand that we should just not call it Mosaic. We should just use a symbol, uh, just call it MSC. Take out the yeah, vowels. That was the idea. And that was the idea. And I thought, I stole oh, it. That's, I said, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. It's pretty edgy. I like it. I like it. I mean, you know, maybe one day we'll be like Prince. We'll just be a symbol, right? You know? And, uh, and so I, I really leaned toward it. And then Aaron, I think, made the mistake of sharing it with Mariah. And, uh, and then before we knew it, Mariah used MSC for the band. Which, I mean, I asked someone. Yeah, <laughs> and the little angel on her shoulder. And, yeah. uh, but, I, but I thought that was even better because uh, MSC is both mosaic and music without the vowels. Yeah, it's cool. And, um, but maybe just take a moment, Aaron, and walk us through th- that part of the creative process to be able to come up with the idea, let's take out the vowels and just call it MSC. Um, is there anything you can kind of like unwrap about how to allow like um, unexpected ideas to kind of surface? Unexpected ideas. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I, I was in this journey of like figuring, not to be super sentimental or I guess go into this, but I was in a journey of I don't really know like if I was creative or not. I was working in a creative space before, but I was struggling in like the ideation side of it or the purpose side of it. So then I came to this place where I really cared about church and, and, and forwarding the church. So it was almost out of like desperation. Does that make sense? Like I was just trying to keep my job also first off I was hoping they wouldn't find me out and then um, 
And then secondly, I really like, I, I like to mess everything up. Like if something's sitting still for too long, I'll move it and then see if it fits better somewhere else. And so that was what we did with the logo. We were just always changing things and moving things. And also at the same time, building a, a photo team at the time where we would never tag photographers. And I don't think we do still, never do. And I said, as much as MSE is worship, we are creative. And we're part of this collective, and it's not one person, it's a bunch of people. And there are, like, individuals who have, like, skyrocketed us forward, like Tess, and who now pretty much runs this campus with us. And, and these individuals, Nicole Lewis and, 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 and Joshua Rhodes and Austin, St. John, and, and all these, Eric, American Roy on Instagram. And, um, and, and all of these incredible people who have, who have kind of built the foundation for, like, the next generation. And I think, can I, can I share the quote about what you said about one of our designers being better? So a couple of weeks ago, I guess I just did. Um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, Tess came to me and said, maybe it was a month ago now, and said, hey, there's this guy, and he's awesome, and he's better than me. Which, in any job that you work at in the world, you never tell, the, you never tell your boss, like, the person under you is better than you. Because what does that usually result in? <laughs> Them taking your job. A new opportunity for you. Yeah. Yeah, almost never. <laughs> in a different organization so no, than yeah. yet unknown. <laughs> yeah. And I said, how does that make you feel and she looked at me and just said, it's the best feeling ever. And, and I want to cry now. But, um, but, it, but for me, because I've been kind of a little bit more removed from the creative side since she stepped in and, and really just crushed it, I, I realized that that's where we had built a foundation of, like, t- of unity and oneness where we could not just uh, assist the music and the message and help with Instagram and these little things, but also become like our own form of worship. Does that make sense? And that... Like when we're together and creating, and if you see them in Hollywood, there's like 30 of them creating at all times. And I'm like, well, you guys are doing way too much for this Instagram story. <laughs> you need more things to do. Um, that they've created this team aspect where, the, where every person touches something. So if you ask one person, and I, I was walking, my friend was walking by uh, and heard one of our designers, and they, someone had found him. They're like, you know, you're the guy who's doing all the cool stuff. And he said, no, it's us. And as like a leader, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, well, I finally found someone who's incredible and has no ego. But you I know? think that's a huge point. I want to shift over to Mariah Sorry. to this. No, no, this is so good because I can say this because I've been here 25 years and we you know, created this thing from scratch and watched it develop over the years. That we, when you came, we had, it was almost like a barrage of ego. Whenever there would be a brochure, every photographer insisted on having their name on it. I remember I would see brochures for our retreats, and I go, why are, there, why are there so many pages of photo credits and art credits? And it's, it's because, really, they saw the church as a platform so that they could get a job or advance their career or build their name and, and, and their brand. And one of the things that you did that they basically wanted to set you on fire for is you basically said, if you want to build your brand, you can't be a part of this team. That you have to, you, every, every artist has an ego, but you have to leave your ego at the door and create something for the whole, not for yourself. And that's been a huge part of it. And it's been such a shift now where I remember before people would eagerly try to let everybody know, no, I did that, not them. And now you can't figure out who did what. It's everyone did it together. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I want to talk about that because um, I know that when you guys write music, you, you, it has to be, um, it can't be weak people trying to be deferring to each other. You're in a room with really talented, strong people, 
opinionated people because that's what artists are. They have a perspective. They have an opinion. They have a voice. And then a part of your, one of the things you love doing is you love getting people to work together. And you told me that you have, you come back with one big word about the creative process for writing. Do you remember what it was? You said, I think it was collaboration. Oh, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Maybe talk to us about one song that you guys wrote with the most people possible. Yeah, actually. Um, I have like a pretty strict rule that you can't write a song with more than three people. Um, because probably one, two of you will end up hating each other if it's more than three people. There's too much emotion, too many people. Um, but we tried to write a song actually yesterday, and we were like, let's try to write it with every single person in the room. And it was so amazing. It was such a beautiful thing because we all know each other's strengths, and I, I think that's a beautiful thing about knowing the people that you're writing with. I come from a world of like not knowing people. You just like get set up with a writing session, and you write a song for somebody else or some TV show, um, and you don't have any sort of relational like ties to each other. But to know everyone in the room, know their strong suit, know the, know the walk that they're on, know the journey that they're on, and everyone know each other's strength and pull from each other's strengths is such a beautiful thing. And, yeah, I, I think collaboration is such a huge part of um, experiencing the fullness of creativity. I, I think you can tell when a song or a piece of art is created with only one person. There's something missing. There's something lacking. And um, I still think art is beautiful when it's, you know with one person. I write songs by myself. All of us write songs by ourselves. But Brooke and I were talking about this. There's something about a worship song. The, the worship songs you hear on this stage were never touched by one hand um, because that's not what church is. Church is not about one person. It's about this collective collaboration of all of these different hearts and souls and, and lyrics and journeys. And um, for us, that's, that's even if one person wrote one song, it's not ever put on stage if so many people, so many brains, so many hearts didn't touch it already. And so that's been such a huge thing even for this week. Yeah, I, I remember even, because there's some of your guys like Andy will, or you or Carlos will write like almost a whole song. And then I love the posture that I always am hearing about what you guys are doing and you're always like handing the song over to someone else. Like, hey, I wrote this song, but it was for you. And I always think that that's such a sacrificial like point of creative, like creative, like creatives like posture does that make sense because even in like design we would do this thing early on we had three designers and we'd we would switch computers we'd work on three different projects and then switch computers and it was literally this idea that Andres kind of said like throwing it to the ground because it was throwing your ego and I said I don't want anyone to ever figure out who designed what because I want them to go it was us yeah. and it's church and I think that's the coolest thing that you guys build because the ironic thing now is when we stripped the ego, we have guys who are so much more talented and guys who are getting way more jobs because they're just free. And they've like, bond, like kind of bound themselves together with people who they do life with. Does that make sense? And their stuff outside of church is more mind-blowing than it was before. And so they didn't need us. They didn't need to feed off the church. They were building into the church. And the church created a platform for them into the world which I think the way it should always be. You know, does that make sense? Uh, a cool um, just um, connection to that is last night Emerson in Mexico City had his first, um, I don't know what you would call it, it's not quite a gathering, it's more than a crew, it's more than an interest night. They had their first service, and, uh, and they didn't know how many people they'd have but they rented this little space, had standing room only, had about 215 to 20 people there. That's so cool. They, uh, it's it's amazing. amazing. 
They baptized 23 people at their first oh, event. That's so cool. That's epic. And, uh, and had 15 more people come to faith. And right before the event, we're texting back and forth. He goes, I'm so nervous. And I said, it's nervous excitement. He goes, yes, that's right. And we're just like having this conversation. And, and he goes, would it be okay if I, um, if I preach your message on, you know, this? And I just text him back, it's all yours. And, um, and, and I, there's just something really exciting. Because I know that even if he takes something I taught him, it's translated through Emerson's unique personality. Like, there's just nothing that Emerson is going to say that's still, like, purely me. It's just going to be Emerson. Yeah, you know Emerson. There's no way. And uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's going to be Mexican. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and Bolivian. I mean, yeah. it's just like this interesting mix of cultures all coming together. And I, I, one of the beautiful things I love about uh, collaboration and about the way that um, you both really aspire to work and, and relate to people is that everybody walks away doing something greater than they could have by themselves. And I think a lot of times people want to know about the creative process so they, how they can become more creative rather than um, how they can be a part of creating something more creative, something more extraordinary, something more beautiful. And really the most extraordinary works in the world cannot be done by one person. Even... Um, like my friend Mako uh, Fujimura, who's a, a world-renowned painter, he has to fly to Japan because there are these um, old, old men who are dying off one by one, who are the only men in the world who have a, the skill of making a particular canvas, a particular paper on which he paints. He told me years ago, when they die, because no one has taken on this craft, this texture will disappear. And he could not create his world-renowned paintings without these unknown anonymous men who create the canvases on which he paints. And I, I think sometimes our egos try to act like no one else was involved. But if you pull back, you realize so many other people are involved. Like right now, I am... Um, I'm, you know, I'm pressing really hard because two weeks ago, I may have had three sentences of a book that's due next Tuesday, and uh, and, and then I just been like just pounding away. And today I, I hit thirty thousand words, and and I'm exhausted, just like just writing and writing and writing and writing, and then and I realize that I write best when suddenly someone enters my imagination that I care about. Because the moment I see that person and I begin to try to help them through their issue, through their problem, through their struggle, I know exactly what to write. And, what, and, and it looks like I'm the only person that's really involved in the writing process. But everyone I've ever interacted with in my life, every person whose soul has touched my soul, whose life has touched my life, they're part of every word in those books. And, and I think it's, it's such an illusion to believe that your creativity exists only within you. I love how the ancient Greeks talked about genius because it was the, from the same etymology of the word genie because they believed that genius was a gift from the gods, not something that you did or that you could even take credit for, but that it was given to you by a divine source. And in the most beautiful way, your creativity is a gift from God to you. But your stewardship 
is how you develop and nurture that creativity and turn it into a skill, into a craft. Why don't we see if we have, do we have the capacity to get to know? I was going to see if we could just see if we have some questions. Oh, you want to drop a Q&A like that? Okay. Just like that. Do we have, do we have, do we have an extra mic? Yeah, anyone have a question so good. you want to ask? This is a different kind of night. You just spiced it up. I just spiced it up. Anybody? No questions? No questions require the immense amount of creativity. There's one back there. <laughs> that. Well, you're asking what inspires us? What inspires you, Mariah? Um... I think is what you're saying. Something for, for church and writing for, for church and worship music is just knowing the community and being able to like trace back one person that you're writing for. And I think that's kind of the, the code that had to be cracked at some point of like how do we make songs connect at church? And it is really knowing the community. If you don't know the community, how can you sing songs for the community? How can you speak on behalf of the community? And for us, it's like I, if I were on stage and only on stage and didn't know people in my church, how could I ever lead them in worship? How could, I, how could anyone ever lead them in anything unless you were involved? So anytime someone comes on the worship team, it's like, where are you serving? Who are your friends? Make sure that they're not just in the worship team because you're not going to know how to lead your church if you don't know your church. And so for me, it's, it's, it's really pulling from the church, pulling from people the way that my dad was saying and, and finding those, those stories um, that you can pull from and write, write about. Aaron, I know for you guys, when you really engaged in the social media world, which I remember that you detested so much, a huge shift was that just the, you know, really the realization that for many people, social media is the first place that they begin to consider whether they'll even step into um, one of our gatherings or consider who Jesus is or risk coming and to Mosaic. Um, what are some of the things that, like, that motivate you guys what are some of the things that inspire you and, uh, and, and drive what you guys do? Yeah, I think I came from the retail like market space uh, world. And, and I, when I first started this job at, at YSL, they handed me a 300-page book on why the creative director uses Helvetica. And no, it's not a joke. It's a font and, or a typeface, <laughs> as I found out, in 300 pages. And... Um, and and how he uh, he had this ideology where he every store that he created he would only step in it until the day it opened and then he saw it as the gift he gave to the world and that he would never walk back in it ever again and I thought okay and then he always said that his uh, his 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 website was his flagship and so I said okay our Instagram and our social media are our flagships how we tell the story of Jesus and connect people to church starts there. Um, I'm not a huge fan of websites all the time, but uh, I really loved the way that we could tell the story of people coming to know Jesus, people being baptized, the people having faith. And, and it was really cool because one of our amazing girls, Nicole Lewis, actually got connected and came to faith through the Instagram and found Mosaic. And, and we have story after story after story of people who have found like relationship with Jesus or relationship with other people in the community through just this something I really didn't care about. And I think it's interesting how if you don't care about it, but you actually tend to it, things will grow. Um, and you learn to love it, and you learn to have responsibility over it, and you learn to grow it. But the thing that inspires me, honestly, uh, is, and not in a cheesy way, I've been in like such an interesting space with Jesus in my walk with him, because I feel like, I feel like 
I've been, I'm a fighter. I've grown up a fighter. I, I got in a lot of fights in, in school. And then I just had this attitude where I, you know, I was in New York and I took that way too intense. <laughs> and, and, um, and was just always ready to go. And then I've really been like learning a lot about Jesus and this idea that, that um, he's a, like, the first line of tremble is peace, bring it all to peace. And I've trying to like reconcile how do you go to war for people? like fight all of the evil in the world, but also how do we worship and serve a God who's a peaceful God? And, and I've come to terms, and maybe this is where I'm at right now, that what inspires me so much is that, we, that he only goes to war to bring peace. And so whatever we're fighting for, if we're, not bringing, if we're bringing them to chaos, then, and sometimes our souls reflect chaos, then we're actually bringing them to a place that might be worse than where they were. Um, but if we're bringing them to Jesus and bringing them to peace, uh, then that's the place I think that we're often can create the most beautiful things out of. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's so, so, so good. Okay. You know, I want to read a passage of scripture because, you know, this is church. And, uh, and I don't want someone leaving. I went to Mosaic and they didn't even open the Bible. And um, although I would say Andres's offering talk was like, we, we could have just ended the night right there, you know. And uh, throw it down, bro. That's so good. And, um, but in Exodus 35, beginning verse 30, I think this is a really interesting space because I think a lot of times we think of even the Bible as something where it slowly evolves to getting things right. You know, people talk about the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament as if they're two different gods. Or Jesus was God having identity crisis and changing his mind. You know, okay, I was a God who was really angry and just wanted to destroy everything. Now I'm a God of love and I really like everybody. And we don't realize that he's the same God all the way through. He's just dealing with the same us all the way through. And, uh, and we're the problem. And, but it says here in um, Exodus 35, with, in Moses' time, early on, then Moses said to the Israelites, see the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God. This is the first time in the Bible that describes someone being filled with the spirit of God. He has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for the work of gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. I, I, I just absolutely love this particular passage because so oftentimes when people talk about the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit or doing something spiritual, we have very, very specific categories for it. You know, it's spiritual if you're praying. It's spiritual if, um, if you're preaching. You know, it's spiritual if you're going to church. It's spiritual if you're singing in worship. But here, the Spirit of God came on him so that he could create, so he could design, so he could fulfill his work as an artist. And I, and I, I, I wonder how many times we don't realize that you don't have to be a painter or a dancer or a writer to be a part of the creative process. When you get up tomorrow and go to work, you can either make it an uncreative process or you can make it a creative process. You can break your routine, move out of the mundane, break the status quo, surprise yourself uh, with adventure. Sometimes it drives my wife crazy when we're driving because she'll go, "Um, so why did you want to go down this street? Because Kim will want me to go down the same street every time. And, and she goes, you know, the other way is faster. I, I don't know how many times I hear that. 
And I say, I, I do know, honey, I've been living here for 25 years. I'm, I, and in fact, I'll tell you, you know, sometimes, I, you know, honey, I know this is amazing to you, but sometimes I drive all by myself. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm able to get there. I'm able to get there without your counsel and advice and, and correction in my life. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons I take different roads is to see new things so that I don't keep myself in a rut, so I can keep learning new things, so I can keep exploring new ways of doing things. And, and a part of the creative process for an individual is to keep growing, to keep yourself open to new possibilities, new opportunities, and, 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 and even to see the same things a new way, to see people that last week you thought they were boring, but maybe it was you that made the relationship boring. Like maybe you can engage in a new way and and explore who they are and discover wonderful things about them and and you know relationships begin to die because creativity is lost. When you're dating, at least I know this about guys, guys are so creative when they're dating. Especially when they're trying to get the date. You've never seen more creative guys. They'll they'll waste money by buying dead things called flowers. They'll you know <laughs> And they'll take you to movies they would never see by themselves. They'll take you to restaurants they would, they, would, they would never eat with their roommates at. And they're so creative. And they'll figure out what is it that will make her happy? What is it that will make her like me? What is it that will um, allow this relationship to grow? For me, the core inspiration of all creativity is love. And it's amazing how creative you become when you love someone. Or when you love something. And when you apply your love, it gets fueled with passion. And you approach life completely differently. Well, I think we had a good conversation. Anybody else have a, a question? Because I've only had one. Right here. When you get to a level of success, are you ever afraid you can't meet that standard again? Absolutely. Are you out of your mind? And uh, I, I literally said to my wife today, if this book gets published, <laughs> and if it's any good, and if, if it's worth the trees, it kills. <laughs> right? You know? Then I'll know it came from hard work. Uh, you... Everybody wants to succeed. You do not know the burden of success. Well, maybe some of you do know the burden of success. We're a successful campus. We're a successful campus. You guys are like a mega church. You're like, you're blowing it away. And uh, you know what's interesting? You know how old Picasso was when he became Picasso? The day he was born. Wow. Why do you look at me? You don't understand that right now, but later... Later you will go, <gasps> well, I see but, this. But you're diversified. You do many different things. I do a lot of different things. Is it scary to go into new, I've never, I don't feel like you're ever afraid. I love trying things that, I love being an amateur. Like once I uh, feel like I've, I've, I've developed a level of expertise or, uh, or success or accomplishment, I like trying new things. Because I, I love that terror of failure. I love like being on the brink of humiliation. 
And I, I do. There's just something about it because I feel like if you're not afraid, then you're not pressing yourself. And so even right now, like I, I knew with this book, oh, I have a safe course for it. I know how to write this book in a safe way that it can kind of hit a mark. And I've been struggling because inside my brain, there was another like voice saying, but you're supposed to write about this. I'm like, I don't want to write about that. I don't even understand that, <laughs> you know? But the, and so even when you're writing, you can go to some place. Like I, I wrote a whole chapter on something I had no intention of writing in this book or ever writing until after I died. And, uh, and that makes me nervous. Yeah. Because like I, I have a, a view of the universe and a connectedness. Um, I say, I think before the fall, we were not only connected to God and not only connected to each other, but we were connected to all of creation and that the fall caused not only a severing with God and with man and woman, but with all of nature and that the entire universe was once interconnected to the intention of men. There, and, I'm going to get burned at the stake when this book comes out. And, but I think I'm right. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, and so, yes, I try to do new things, but I also try to do the same things I did in a new way. And I, and I feel like, you, you know, you succeed. We tried the podcast. We didn't know if it would work. And, uh, and people might say it doesn't. And, uh, but, you, but you know what I also know? I've traveled the world and people have said to me, this podcast has changed my life. It's been really cool. The one we did on mental health has impacted people. I had a pastor of a mega church send me a private text saying, I've struggled with um, anxiety attacks for years, and this has been so healing to me. And, and I, I feel like what we're trying to do here is talk about things that people don't talk about. And, uh, and if we had it all rehearsed, it would be less helpful than just diving and going, okay, let, let's, let's open ourselves up and explore a little more. Um. One thing about my dad that's incredibly hard to live up to is that he is always, he's in a constant state of fear, which is so exciting and so terrifying. And I could, and it's, it's just so interesting because you watch someone who steps into so many things um, that he's unsure of, that he acts sure of to keep everyone from panicking. Um, but he sees such great reward because of that fear. Because he puts himself so far out there and says, God, use me however you want. I'm going to do this thing that you told me to do. Who knows how it's going to go? And when it goes well or when, some, when someone's life has changed, he feels the reward in full. Because of this, this, um, this riskiness that he has. He's always been this way. And it's so, it's so cool as a daughter to watch your 60-year-old, 59. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll give you that year. Isn't I'm, he the best 59-year-old <laughs> yeah. like, looking ever? Um, look great. To watch Handsome. a 59-year-old who people say, like, you can't teach old dog, dogs new tricks. Like, he, he has so much to learn because he says he has so much to learn. And he teaches us so much. And we're like, how are you so smart? You, don't, you know everything. What? The universe? is connected to what? Um, Event Horizons is what again? Um, What is everything you say? 
but he always puts himself he always puts himself into new situations, new like new risks, new everything every single day with every book, with every moment, with every choice, with every relationship, and it's so crazy to see he feels such joy and he feels such sadness both at the same time. But I don't think you can feel the full spectrum of emotion and reward if you're not putting yourself out on a limb, if you're not putting your heart on the line every second of every day. And so it's amazing because you're living in a fear right now. You're living in a fear that he stepped out in and said, like, God, use this place. God, use Mosaic. What is it? I'm so afraid. What's happening? And this is what happened. Like, we're living inside of a dream. We're living inside of that. That's crazy. Do you have any last words? No, I just am happy to be a part of this family. (laughs) Wow. The universe, all of the dreams. Thank you. Aaron, what is one thing you dream for? (laughs) He's giving me an assist. He's like, just lay it up. Now, I think one of the things you understate is how much you focus on the people in your life and trying to help them move toward greatness. Yes. I'm very inspired by the people in my life. I think, and most of them are sitting over there and a few of them over here and and then new friends who, I don't know why you're here. Pastor, is it Pastor David Crank? And, but you're a wild man and you showed up and I got a video and, and, and this amazing man is sending me selfies of him on his way to church and I had just gotten his phone number a few minutes before and I was just like, these are the people who come into our lives. We have a king in our court. And I, that's why we talked about this before and I said, we put ourselves out there into crazy situations and God rewards us with just beautiful people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and I have like a crazy desire to plant a lot of churches and to, to, to turn a lot of crazy people into leaders. And, and that's the only thing I care about. I've tried other things. <laughs> Every day. I had breakfast today. I was like, can I be good at something else? And you're he like, was literally oh. asking me this this morning. Can I be good at something else? Yeah, you could be. Do you care about anything else? He goes, no. I don't. <laughs> I don't. And I, I said, well, if you're not going to do this, do something you care about. He goes, yeah, but this is what I care about. And I go, yeah, there's a high price here. Yeah, it's hard. There's a price to pay. And what you care about the most is going to demand the most of your life. And just so to true. that. Yeah. And uh, it steals all your anonymity. It steals all your privacy. You live under the microscope of other people's uh, judgments and criticism. And you just can let the heat set you on fire. You have to actually rise above it. And that's the wonder of it. You know, tonight, I couldn't hear completely when the music was going crazy. But right when, before I was coming up here, somebody grabbed me and said, he was so warm and so kind and so friendly. He goes, I, don't, I think he said, I don't even believe in God. But I just love coming here. And, and uh, it was pretty close, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm like, that just made my whole day. Like you made my whole night. You know? And because everything else you face and all the challenges you face, um, I remember when I didn't believe. And, uh, and you know, I faced some really hard things in life. And I was wondering to myself, I can, barely, I can barely take this believing in Jesus. How does a person like bear this without God? And, um, and, and you know, I don't feel any need to be right or to convert people, or to force them to believe what I believe. I just feel this overwhelming burden and compassion for people that they're going through the pain and hardship and struggles of life alone. And uh, and I know it sounds insane, 
But like Mariah used to say in front of people, my dad never told us what to do and what not to do. I, I thought I was a better parent than that. But <laughs> he never told us not to drink. He never told us not to do drugs. And I'm like, well, I, was, I recommended it. I, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, and Aaron's like, yeah, you just, you know, we'd try to get answers from you. You would just keep asking us more questions. And, you know, a lot of it is I didn't want them to carry um, the burden of my faith. I wanted them to discover the wonder of their own faith. Um, because when you're going through the gauntlet, when you're going through the hardest moments in your life, someone else's faith is just not going to cut it for you. And there may be some of you here right now, and um, you're going, I've never been to a church where they do a podcast and they have a conversation about the creative process. And, uh, and some of it is that we just really believe in what God has placed inside of you. That God has placed in you gifting and talents and intelligence and passion and, and maybe even things we don't even know how to quantify. And he wants to awaken all that inside of you. That's not there by accident. And it's not there so that you can be awesome, although you are. It's there so that you can make a difference in the world. It's there so you can do good, so that you can serve others, so that you can make the world a better place. And, and, and one of the things that just always like drew me to Jesus was that he could look at a multitude who everyone else said was worthless and say to them, you're the light of the world. To all the outcasts and all the throwaway human beings, he said to them, you're the salt of the earth. And that's the kind of community we're always going to be. We're going to look at you even when no one else sees your potential. When no one else sees what God has placed in you, we're going to look at you and say, look, you, want, you may want to hide in the darkness, but I'm telling you, Jesus looks at you and says, you're the light of the world. You, want to, you may want to act like you're dirt, but Jesus looks at you and says, you're the salt of the earth. And he calls you to live that out. He calls you to step into that. And one of the, maybe the most frustrating things Jesus does is he calls you to live a life you cannot live without him. It's a horrible catch-22. You get inspired by Jesus and you try to live the life he inspires you to live without him and you're just going to crash and burn. But maybe, just maybe, that's how he wants us to discover our need for him. That, you know, he doesn't want us to hit the bottom and because we know we're so messed up, so broken, so sinful, that now we need God. Maybe he's trying to inspire you so much that you realize you can't live this great life, this legendary story that you're created to live without Jesus in your life. 